Welcome to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast, where you can be inspired by the stories of active people from the great state of Texas and beyond. We also chat with people who can help keep you active, like our sponsor, College Station Physical Therapy and Performance. CSPT is a performance PT clinic who helps active people recover from injury, return to their active lifestyle, and reach their highest level of performance. Learn more about how CSPT can help you get back to doing what you love at collegestationpt.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Active Texan Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Watts, your host. And I'm Allie Watts. What's up, everybody? And we're here with another episode, and it's a post-Iron Man episode because I am an Iron Man. Oh, my goodness. It happened. So now we're going to talk a little bit about um, not just the journey to Iron Man, but what it feels like to be one. and More like we'll, the journey of that day, too. And the journey of that day, I will give a little bit of a race report, probably. Too many details. Yeah. Too, always too many details. Always. With Brian. Yeah. <laughs> and then we may also talk about what's next. Oh, oh, goodness. Well, I will say this. When you crossed the finish line, you were super excited, and you talked to me. The first thing you said is, don't let me do this again. Don't let me do another Iron Man. All right, we're going to leave with that. And we'll see where, right. what you say at the end of what the, if you still feel the same way. Okay, so what do you want to hear first? Okay, well, so where was this race? We, if you listen, well, first of all, go back and listen to the episode. If you haven't listened to the previous episode of yeah. the pre-Iron Man uh, podcast, just an interview of kind of what led to it about the training and the why and all that. Um, go listen to that and you'll hear there that it's Ironman Chattanooga. So we were in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where actually the Ironman, most of the race takes place in North Georgia. Not most of the race. <laughs> uh, for seven hours, I was in North Georgia. Because, on the bike. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, but it's Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is a beautiful city. Um, downtown is awesome. It's got an art district. It's got an aquarium. Um, it's all right there on the river. There's parks. And um, there's a the river's huge, big, wide yeah. Tennessee River. So beautiful. And um, that's where you swim. And then the run, you go across the bridges a couple of times. Um, they have a really big, beautiful more than a couple of times. walking bridge that is epic with epic views. And it's super fun. It was a great spectator location. For the run. For the run. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we did see people out there watching on the bike, which is nice. And some of the neighborhoods you out see. Out in North Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. And especially in Chickamauga. Chickamauga. Sorry, I didn't come down to Chickamauga. I didn't expect you to. Oh, good. But so, I didn't see you for about nine hours. We'll get to that. That was not cool. Um, so we took two days to get over there. We went to J Jackson, Mississippi first, which we used to live there. Fun fact. And then we drove the rest of the way to Chattanooga, and we stayed up in Signal Mountain, which is a super neat community right outside of Chattanooga. Or right in, I don't know. It's, yeah, about 20 minutes outside of downtown Chattanooga, but actually closer to, closer to north Chattanooga on the north side of the river. Yeah. Uh, we have some friends that live there and got to catch up with them, stay with them. It was awesome. Um, knew them back in college. Yeah, we've actually been to Chattanooga a handful of times, so it was very exciting to do the race there. So we were excited to be there and to see them, but I was a nervous wreck. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Brian was so <laughs> I was nervous. not the normal Brian. He was not normal Brian. He was not like hyped up and like excited. It, it was tricky because um, he didn't have any of his racing crew with him like he normally has at other races. Wouldn't you say well, that? Normally in other race, you don't go there four days early. 
That's true. We did have some other things we needed to do while we were there. Uh, we actually went over to Atlanta for a day for a, a business conference and then it, it just changed the mindset for sure, being kind of work-related, visiting friends, and then you didn't have your race people that you've been training with. And I feel like that affected your mindset, made you more nervous. You didn't have people to like talk it out at the beginning. Yeah, which we didn't realize until uh, right Saturday. We didn't realize that it, this was a thing. The race was on Sunday. Yeah. But thankfully, you were able to meet up with some of the people you have trained with in the past that were doing that race, and y'all did the swim practice. You feel like that kind of changed took away some of your anxiety at that moment oh yeah big time um but still that was the day before the race so that's probably yeah. whenever there's the most um anxiety and nerves um uh, just nerves for the unknown for me because i've never done anything of this distance and so i didn't know what it was going to feel like um in any of the disciplines yeah right <laughs> So there was also this like lingering question of whether the swim was going to be wetsuit legal because the temperature of the water was like borderline. So you wouldn't weren't able to prepare mentally for that until like the morning of, right? Like it was yeah. back and forth. I wasn't honestly that worried about it being wetsuit legal or not, but I say that until I got in the water on Saturday right, and practiced practice. and I, I was wearing a wetsuit and I forgot, I guess, <laughs> how helpful. It is. I mean, you're just super buoyant. You float on top of the water and you can just kind of cruise, especially when you get in a river that has a current. Mm -hmm. It's it's really fast. It's definitely different in a wetsuit. I, I, I've never done it and not in without a wetsuit, so I don't know how long it would have taken me, but I think it was probably faster in the wetsuit. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, this is like the one of the fastest swim Ironmans, right? Is that what you said? Races? Oh, it's known to be the fastest. Yeah, because yeah. of the downriver. It's not one of point the fastest. It has to be the fastest. Yeah. So that made it fun. And I guess that takes a little bit of the anxiety away. But like you said, you had never done one without a wetsuit. So I've never swam 2.4 miles other than in a pool. But yeah. I've never done open water 2.4 miles. Yeah. So then what what are the temperatures that it's supposed to be? So if it's below 76.1, then you can wear what it's wetsuit legal. If it's between 76.1 and 83.4 or something like that, it's wetsuit optional. optional. And so if it was over that 76.1, I wasn't planning on wearing a wetsuit, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I would have done because it didn't happen. But mm -hmm. um, the temperature that morning was... 75.6 degrees so crazy so half a degree the day before it was 76 um point six degrees yeah or something like that so half a degree that's so just crazy. half a degree too high <laughs> i think some people were excited i mean it would oh everybody I, I think everybody was excited i only saw like a very small handful of people not wearing oh, either a wetsuit or some kind of swim skins yeah so okay morning of happens we had to get up at like 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. to get all our stuff together and go drop off all your um, transition bags and stuff. So how are you feeling race morning? Well, so I'm going to go back. So Saturday, we had to check in our bikes and check in oh, yeah. our run and run and bike gear bags. And that's very different from any other race I've done. So I was kind of planning in my head, what do I do? What do I put in here? And so you have to have everything in that bag. You can access them the next morning at, uh, when you're setting up transition, but Still, I, you know, I, I wanted to, I didn't want to have to do that. So, um, that took a while to kind of think through that, not doing it before. And I probably, 
I definitely put too many things in those bags. Yeah. Uh, but rather, you know, have too many things and not enough. And then I also realized that I didn't have enough of, I think it was maybe some caffeine gels or my nutrition for the run. Like I didn't have that really prepared, but at the same time, all the aid stations every mile had what I needed. So I, I wasn't too upset about that when I realized it the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got there at, at 430 when transitioned opened. Uh, because you have to take a shuttle to the swim start. We wanted to get there and they want to get people there as soon as possible and then get them up to the swim start and you just sit and wait, but Mm -hmm. they want as many people up there as possible and not hanging out or transition um, as soon as possible. That's what they said in the athlete briefing. So uh, the way transition is set up is just your bike is out there on, on the rack in, in your spot with a number on it. And then your bags, or outside transition, well, outside of fence, and they're lined up in order. And so basically, when you get off your bike, uh, which I was kind of learning all this as I went, I didn't, I mean, I, I learned it, but it still, I hadn't done it. So I didn't really know exactly how it was going to happen. Um, and so you get off your bike, or first you get out of the water, they strip your sweat, wetsuit, and you walk up and they hand you your gear bag, yeah. and you go into a changing room with all the other guys. And, um, there were so many amazing volunteers at this race doing, yeah. helping with all their transition bags and with all the aid stations. It's very cool. Or it's a big, I say a changing room. It's a changing tent with, mm-hmm. I mean, probably 50 chairs, 50 plus chairs in there, maybe more. Um, which is nice. You got to sit down and, um, figure your stuff out and get everything ready for the bike. Mm-hmm. And then you just walk out, grab your bike and go to the bike out and hop on and go. Yeah. And so, uh, the, the swim, you want to talk about the swim? Well, I was going to say like, so morning of we, you know, we were excited to find out about it, wetsuit legal, but there was also this like impending question of the weather because it had said, it had said that it was going to rain for a few days that that day was going to have like 70% of rain, 80% of rain, 50% of rain. And so that morning, it was actually really nice that morning. Um, for the swim part, right? Yeah, I mean, it was overcast and it, it wasn't cold, but it was cool. Uh, but you could stay, you know, dressed warm. I was, I had a jacket and long pants yeah. on over my kit um, until about 30 minutes before we got in the water when I put my wetsuit on. So it was nice. It was a pleasant morning. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was wet because it had started raining that night. Yeah. Um, but then it stopped raining. It was actually raining during transition setup. Oh, there was. I had my umbrella out. That's right. um, So just trying to stay as dry as possible until it got in the water. Um, But then we got in the shuttles, went up there, and we just hung hung out for an hour or more. Because we got there pretty early. Um, And we hung out with Michelle and Holly. And uh, that was that was it. And we just listened to music, hanging out, praying, meditating. A little (laughs) bit of warming up your shoulders. Yeah, well, that was... Yeah, right before we got in the water, we did a little mini band warm up together. Yeah. Then we got our wetsuits on, and then I mean, the whole time we just—I uh, was just super nervous. Uh, I don't know if I would call it anxiety; it was just nerves, um, and it was because of the unknown. I mean, yeah, I was excited in a sense about the swim because I knew it was downriver and mm-hmm. there is a current, and everyone said it's faster than any other swim you'll ever do. But you don't know until you get in the water and do it. Yeah. And how'd it go? So we got in there um, and I got halfway. And well, I started out easy, like everyone says to do, and I was able to control my heart rate. 
kept it pretty manageable, pretty low. I don't know if it ever even went over like 130, 140, but it was probably even lower than that at the beginning, mm-hmm. other than the initial shock of jumping in. Um, but the water wasn't cold. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in our wetsuits. It was 75 degree water. And I also never got hot during the swim. But um, when you're swimming out, you go along the yellow buoys and then it turns into orange buoys and that's your swim in. So you know you're halfway. And so I didn't look at my watch until I was halfway. Um, every once in a while, I would stop and rinse my goggles because they would get a little bit foggy and made it a little bit difficult to see. But you're just swimming in a straight line, no turns until the very end. And so I kind of got towards the middle of the river as much as I could because the current's supposed to be a little stronger there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of the shortest distance from point to point. Um, and you could keep the buoys on either side. Mm-hmm. They said you could keep on the left or right, but you just couldn't get way out away from the buoys. And so when I got halfway, I looked at my watch, it said 28 minutes. I said, all right, <laughs> well, let's see if I can do this in under an hour. Um, normally it would take me probably an hour 20 at least yeah. uh, to do an open water swim at the pace that I normally go and the normally that I even normally train at. So, um, ended up getting there in 56 minutes, hopped awesome. out of the water, looking for Allie, never found her. <laughs> well, okay. So this, since it was a point to point, you know, we had taken the shuttles to that first swim start and everybody, if you walk on the, the river walk, you can like see the swimmers. And I couldn't spot which one was Brian in the water. It was too hard, but I tried to stay on pace with the pe- with the swimmers that were near me and walk all the way to transition. And I made it over there in a, about the time that Brian was going to finish. I thought I had a little more time because I didn't think you were going to be that fast. Um, but there was only like two crosswalks where you cross the um, the people coming out of the water. And it was so jam packed and they, there was no way they weren't letting people cross. So, um, I missed him getting out of the water, but I was there when you were transitioning onto your bike and I got to see you go off the bike, but in, in the swim, like, I feel like I, I don't know much about the Ironman distance, the full distance, but the ones that I've seen, there's different swim starts and it seemed like it was a nice kind of staggered swim start. Did you have to worry about people in the water and being kicked or. Yeah. I only ran into one person. That's not, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. That's better than some and other Apparently races. Michelle was next to me, like towards the first half. Yeah. And every time I would breathe and look towards her, she said that she was waving at me. <laughs> I was like, I never saw you. Like, I, I'm not paying that much attention yeah. in, except for the people in front of me. Sometimes there was a couple of times where I'm like breathing to my left and someone's right next to me. Oh, how funny. <laughs> like, Oh, hello. <laughs> um, and anyway, that, that was, I was breathing on both sides. So I learned how to do that and that helped me a lot to just stay calm and be efficient with my swim and not really get tired. I didn't use that much energy, honestly. And it was a fast swim. Uh, so got out of the water, went up this huge ramp up a hill to get to, um, I'm always disoriented when I go up the stairs out of the water, but then once I got on the concrete path, it was fine. And then you get handed your bag and you go in the transition tent and I took, took my time. Um, took about 13 minutes in transition. I was kind of shooting for around 10, but, you know, whatever. And it maybe, maybe cost me a little bit just com- if I'm comparing myself to others, but, um, uh, I was not doing this race to compare. I was just doing it to, for myself and to try to enjoy it and finish it and finish it in a decent time to where I wasn't, you know, pressed to beat the deadlines, the cutoffs. Yeah. I think it up to that point you were having fun. 
and then you got oh out. i got out of the water and it was like man this is awesome that was so fun yeah like it was actually fun right i've never been on a swim where like oh that was fun you, you looked know? so pumped when i saw you on the bike yeah. like when you first got on the bike you were like did you see my time like that swim <laughs> was awesome it was so fast um but then as soon as you got on the bike it started raining yeah i think it started raining as it, soon did. As I did. it I was know. right after you rode through this the transition start it started to sprinkle and the rain started and then so uh i've ridden my bike in the rain once oh my gosh and when i did that i i, I did it for about five minutes because it started raining so hard i couldn't see oh and that, that didn't happen in the race right right this happened in training and this was a while ago um, I mean, do you think, ago. I mean, I know that you're, you're going to talk more about it, but do you think in hindsight, it's worth trying to, to bike in rain during training at some point? Yeah. But you didn't, but it's hard to really plan that necessarily. Right, uh, right. But anytime it rained or if it was like super hot, I rode on the trainer. So, right. I think that's common. Maybe. Um, anyway, the, the rain, the only thing the rain really changes is the negative part is it makes the roads more slick. Uh, but the positive thing is it keeps it cooler. So I was never cold on the bike that I can remember. And you were um, never hot. And I didn't get hot until the last maybe 10 miles, uh, 10 to 15 miles. It started to get a little warm. The sun was peeking out a little bit and I was tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it changed your, your mindset too. I mean, you were probably nervous once it was pouring down rain and the roads were slick and you're flying down hills. I mean, yeah. So the the way this course is, you go out 11 miles and then you do this two two um, 47 mile loops in North Georgia, and you're going along Lookout Mountain in this big plateau in the Chickamauga Valley, and so there's a lot. They call it rolling hills, and you know maybe it is rolling, but that on the out part of the loop, there's a lot more climbing. Um, and I knew that going in, and then I didn't. But when I saw it for the first time, I realized, okay, this is. A decent amount of climbing um but then on the downhills whenever you're trying to make up for the climb uh you had to be really careful because it was slippery um if you were passing somebody it was kind of dangerous um and the roads were open to traffic so it early on there weren't really any cars out but on that second loop saw a lot more cars on the road and mm. the, it's completely open it's a two-lane highway <coughs> with no shoulder Mm, for most of it and then if you get on that white line or the yellow line in the lane they they have ridges in them so mm. like the divots it's right. for the cars and so you can't ride on those um you will fall or have a flat and so it was just a matter of figuring out how aggressive i could be i i didn't plan on being aggressive on the bike i planned on just taking it easy and surviving it in a sense um because i've never ridden uh, over like 60 or 70 miles. I don't know. My longest train, train ride was not very long, um, compared to the actual race. And so I knew that was going to be a hard part and a little bit of an unknown for me. And I didn't know what it was going to feel like, how much it was going to take out of me. Um, but I, I went pretty, I guess you could say pretty low effort, low zone heart rate. And that saved a lot for the run, which mm -hmm. I was able to actually, you know, run is more more than i probably i guess about the, about what i'd hoped yeah um as far as how much i actually run on the run part of the race 
but also the bike so when you get to the end of the loop and you come back you're going down these rolling hills where you're, it's really steep going downhill and then you kind of yeah. come back up a little bit and then downhill and i was trying to go fast but then um there was one time where my i had a little shake in the handlebar and it's just like okay this isn't worth it um to go too fast so i think the fastest i hit was like 35 miles an hour which is fast a little bit i, I mean i've done that on dry roads and it's it's a little bit uh, scary but on wet roads is even more intense. And I stopped at an aid station on one of the, on part of the bike. And, uh, this lady was talking about how dangerous it was out here and how mm -hmm. people were being crazy and passing when they, and going really fast on these wet roads. And I was just kind of listening to her and I thought mm, that was kind of me for the for last 20 miles. So, yeah. uh, maybe that's <clears throat> not worth it. And so I backed off a little bit. Um, the second loop, I didn't go, quite as fast. Um, not just because I was tired, but I was being more careful. Um, and then you come down into the historic town of Chickamauga mm -hmm. is what they say. And there was, it was awesome. It was lined with people, um, a lot of cheering. And so you're like 50 miles in 55 miles, I think it was, cause that's where the, um, bike personal needs pickup was. And so I got to get some goodies out of my bag and volunteers are awesome they said they bring the bag to you and i was like can you stand here and hold it for me and uh, he, like, he just stood there held it open for me while i got stuff out i like, actually like ate some things while he was just standing there yeah. um and but then coming out of chickamauga is this long climb and i didn't realize this was there until the first loop and then there's a really steep downhill and like i really wish i could have taken advantage of that and gone really fast but it was really wet um I think at one point there was somebody that got seriously injured going down that hill. Um, at one point in the race, I didn't see it, but I just heard about it when I was talking to somebody on the run that did see it. And so I'm glad I kind of was careful there. It's hard to go downhill that steep for that long and only go like 22 miles an hour, 25 yeah. miles an hour. Um, so you can't ride your brakes. You know, it's a lot of pulsing and pumping the brakes um, in order not to burn them up because you can definitely do that on these downhills. And it was wet. The, your wheels are wet. So it doesn't work that well. Yeah. <laughs> the brakes. And then going on the second loop, it was still raining. Um, and I think finally, like on the back half of that second loop, it stopped raining. But I still had like 30 miles left. Yeah. And so then it started to warm up a little bit, went back through the same hills. And, um, the last 11 miles where you go from the loop area all the way back in, that seemed like it was forever. Really? Um, yes, especially about eight of those miles. You're just on this highway that seems like it's almost like a false flat. You're kind of going uphill, but then you're going down. I, I don't know. It was weird. It, it was like an illusion of what you were actually, whether you're climbing or not. Like yeah. I couldn't really tell other than what my power and my heart rate were doing. Um, and then anyway, come into transition too. Yeah. It was, I think, a little disappointing that you couldn't enjoy the ride and the the beautifulness that is Tennessee and that whole area could have been because of the rain. I know that you were hoping to kind of enjoy the race and just take it all in, and that kind of changed during the Yeah, ride. that's mainly because the rain just made you concentrate more and focus, yeah. um, and it was a little bit harder to see because there was rain on my glasses, yeah. and I didn't want to take my glasses off because at, at one point the rain hurt. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was, it was pretty substantial rain it was and stinging rain Oh, as, as a spouse of an Ironman. I mean, to me, the bike is the scariest thing. I mean, the open water swim is scary, but once if you're in a wetsuit, I'm less scared, 
um, the bike has so many factors that you can't control, like the weather and cars on the road and, you know, just having to eat on the bike and be aware of your surroundings and be going 20 miles an hour is terrifying. So I was just so excited to see you at that transition because I wanted to know that you'd finished that because I knew you could finish the run. Mm-hmm. So tell me about when you were coming in from the bike. How were you feeling? Well, I was so excited. I was, to be done. I was excited, but I, I also felt like, man, I'm tired. Yeah, you're like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know what my legs are going to feel like. I also realized my whole left foot was completely numb. When at, did you at realize one of the eighth that? Day, I mean, it was probably 30 miles prior to that. Um, yeah. And I was standing up at one of the aid stations, and I like tapped my foot on the ground, and it was like just sending zing, like electric pulses through my entire foot. I couldn't feel it. I have some neuropathy in my left foot because of my Achilles tendon repair. And that got severely exacerbated during the bike. And my right foot felt great. Like I had problems on training runs where I would have some pain in my feet and my right foot and like kind of the arch or the outside yeah. sometimes in the, on the fifth metatarsal, but I didn't have any problems with that side. And then when I looked at my data at the end, my, my left, right balance was completely equal. That's crazy. Um, so I was very happy with that. Um, I didn't overuse my right leg to, to favor my left leg. Uh, and so I didn't know what my foot was going to feel like whenever I got off the bike Yeah. other than, I mean, I knew I could walk cause it's still there, yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't really feel it. And I didn't know if that was going to go away, but also I just thought, Hmm, this is going to be a long ways to, yeah. to run and still have a lot left, but it's less than what I had on the bike. Yeah. But as far as time goes, right. And unless had- I just walk the whole thing, which I wasn't going to do that. But you had put aside enough time that if you needed to do any substantial amount of walking that you would have time to do that and finish. That was always the plan to make sure you have ample time where you wouldn't be concerned about not finishing if you couldn't run. Right. So yeah, that's a whole other aspect of Brian's journey that like, yeah, doing the Ironman distances and all that training is super difficult, but also to be doing it with the neuropathy you have in your left foot and your Achilles um, complications, it's like an extra added obstacle that you had to do during that race. That is just amazing to me. I mean, I just can't believe you did that. Thank you. I tried not to think about it when I was doing it. Um, and in my training, I knew that it would hold up at least to some mileage. <laughs> oh goodness, you were testing it. <laughs> well, yeah, but I didn't test it as much as I could have. Yeah. So now you transition to the run and I get to see you do that transition. And that was super exciting. And then you run away. Yeah. So the cool part about that, you come in and you, you give a volunteer your bike. They just take your bike. Yeah. These amazing volunteers. So I don't have to go and uh, rewrite my bike. I just, and I literally walked through the entire rows of bags and they, Mm -hmm. they, they have your bag ready for you, hand it to you, went in the transition tent, um, got changed up and ready for the run. And, uh, course hit the porta potty on the way out you know okay. i didn't stop and use the rat- bathroom once on the bike interesting i didn't need to i mean i kind of thought i might need to but i was like yeah i'm okay did you accomplish all your nutrition goals on the bike that mm-hmm. you had planned i did what i planned um i i adjusted a little bit because i wasn't sweating as much mm-hmm. and so i didn't take quite as much liquid on because i didn't want to get too sloshy mm-hmm. in my stomach with too much liquid and i probably would have had to stop and go to the bathroom right um but I considered it, but there were a lot of people stopping, and so I didn't really want to wait in yeah. that line. And I think you had always planned on stopping all the aid stations during the run, and you could hydrate there. 
right? Yeah, you can hydrate well, but you don't want to get behind on yeah. your hydration. If you get behind and you get to the run, it's all, it's kind of too late at, yeah. at a certain point where your body might start breaking down. You might start cramping, um, stuff like that. I did have some like stomach cramping on and off, um, during the entire bike. Hmm. Uh, but it was just on and off. It was never severe. <clears throat> and then kind of the same thing during the run. So now I'm heading out of T2, just got all ready for the run and coming down the ramp. And I, I did see you coming in off the bike, but I finally got to like see you and talk to me stop for like and give a you a kiss. Yeah. It was very quick and you know, it was brief. <laughs> brief. Yeah. But you kind of come down this hill coming out of the transition, which was um, interesting, felt kind of nice. Like, I mean, yeah. you're just kind of like flying down the hill. It's like, yeah. oh man, let's go. Yeah. Um, but then after about half a mile, you go back uphill. Yeah. It was exciting at that point because, I mean, I saw you on the bike and then I saw you come back in, but seeing you run up to me and you're smiling, that was the the thing where like, okay, I know he's okay. He's smiling. He's still doing it. He's moving. He's not like walking and limping yeah. and like disgruntled. Like you were, you were ready. Yeah. I'm, I never felt like I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Yeah. And I, I was trying to be as positive as possible. E even anytime, like I thought negatively about something that was happening on the bike, it's just like change your thought immediately yeah. to something positive. And one thing I want to say about the bike is I looked back afterwards in my watch and it was almost 5,000 feet of gain Goodness. of ascent on the bike and with about the same amount of descent. But um, that climbing is something I don't ever do or practice. And so I used every gear in my bike. Yeah. <laughs> Man, especially all the small ring low gears, like my lowest gears, they, they were very used on every single climb. Um, and so I, you know, I didn't go fast up the hills and I didn't use a ton of energy and I just tried to cruise down the hills. Yeah, it's it is weird that you weren't able to find a way to train any hills. I mean, oh, I could have found a way. I just didn't. I know. But like, how There's do you think, here how do you think that would have affected your race if you had trained more on the hills? Do you think you would have gained? Oh, yeah. I would have been able to put more power up the hills. And yeah. then, I mean, the downhill, I don't know if that would have changed because of the rain. Right. But when it's raining, you can push as hard as you want going up a hill. Yeah. Were you pretty happy with your, your bike time? And uh, I wouldn't say pretty happy. No. Yeah. It was slow. It was sufficient enough. It was sufficient. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it could have been much better. Yeah. And that's, I definitely lost a lot of time there. Yeah. All the, as far as all like the overall, time you gained from the swim going fast, you lost in the bike. Yes. And it was 116 miles, not 112. Right. You need that's a, because the swim is faster. Yeah. It's a you need like swim. a bigger reward because it's more than. No, you, you, got, you got your bigger reward by going down river <clears throat> Yeah, no. on the swim. That makes up the time, 20, 30 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. Five, four miles, 20 minutes. That's actually fairly accurate as yeah. slow as I was going. <laughs> um, I tried to keep all my five mile splits under 20 minutes. And I, I had a few that were over 20, but uh, that's because I stopped at aid stations. Yeah. So the run, let's hear about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I my plan was to run from aid station to aid station to walk every single one and sip on water, um, add my hydration mix when I needed to, uh, make sure I was getting enough caffeine, carbohydrates with the gels. But at the same time, I didn't want to over, I, I wanted to set myself up to where I didn't have to do as much nutrition wise, other than just like keeping myself hydrated. 
because the sun did come out at that point. Um, and on the out part, part of that run, the sun was straight on my neck, which was already burned from the wetsuit. And so I, I couldn't really yeah. put sunscreen on there. Um, but the first part of the run course, other than the hill coming out of transition, you go down and then back up. Um, other than that, it was, uh, the, the first eight miles was really flat. Mm-hmm. And so you're, and there's one bridge where you had to run over. And so that wasn't flat, but, um, once you get over that bridge, you're going like seven miles before you have any kind of significant, significant hill. Um, and you're just going out along this highway. It's on the shoulder of the highway. So it's not pretty. Um, and then you turn and come back down on the river walk, which the first couple miles of it was just kind of in the woods, I guess. I mean, along the river, you couldn't really see the river at that point and you're on a concrete path. Um, and so you start to talk to people and, and in a sense, try to, you know, ignore or, um, not ignore, uh, distract yourself from how you feel. Yeah. (laughs) And so I started out at, you know, a decent pace for what I was wanting to do is around 11, 15, um, per mile on the first two to three miles. And then I started talking to somebody, met somebody from that went to UTA as well and graduated two years after me, born and raised in Fort Worth. And, um, it was his first Ironman as well. And then several other people we got to talk, I got to talk to, met somebody from Mississippi, somebody from Fargo, North Dakota, wow. somebody from Minnesota. Um, and another guy from Virginia. So (laughs) I still don't understand how people have conversations while they're running. I'm just not, I can't do it. Well, when you're only going 11 or 12 minutes per mile, it's actually really easy to have a conversation for some people. (laughs) My heart rate was only 130, So it wasn't hard to talk while I was running that pace. It's hard to talk when I'm running faster and my heart rate's 155, 160. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I've, I train and I talk with people, so I'm used to it. And also it helped distract from what was going on. You still have to have your plan, um, which could distract you from your plan too, if you aren't careful, but yeah, this part was very frustrating because as soon as Brian transitioned onto the run, it was frustrating for for somebody spectating for spectators, all the spectators, the run, um, tracker was totally off. So, I mean, me and everyone around me all the, for this period of time could not track our, our people correctly. Um, like it said that Brian had stopped at an aid station for a really long time with two, the other two people I was tracking. It said they were all at that aid station. And so I was thinking, Oh, okay, what happened? Something happened. Um, later I found out that that didn't happen. The tracker had just like paused there. And then from then on, it was not accurate. So I would go to certain locations and wait there for like 30 minutes and see that his tracker is like on its way. And then the tracker would just pass me and it would say that he's like crossing a bridge. And I was like there and I was like, he did not pass me. I must have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I would move to a different location. And this happened twice. And then I finally decided to just go onto the spectator bridge because I knew that that would be a really cool place to get some photos and that he had to cross that bridge twice. So, um, once halfway and once at the end. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're going to wait till the end. I was going to get a picture of you on that bridge. I mean, and I wanted to go across that bridge cause it's really fun and beautiful. So that is when I started talking to another spectator whose wife had done 16 
Iron Man's. Oh my God. And um, we started talking about how frustrating it was that we hadn't seen our our people, our spouses. And um, we were trying to figure out the math of where they could be. We we're tracking like their pace from based on the trackers, markers that they had passed. And anyway, it was frustrating. Like, so everybody wasn't seeing their people, which that affects your race when you don't get to see oh, your yeah, family. I started thinking she doesn't even care. Oh my gosh, you did not think that. <laughs> did you really? No, I didn't say you don't care. <laughs> but I was like, well, I expected to see you at the first bridge. I was there. And, and I just... You left before I got there. So uh, later we find out that the tracker had everybody 20 minutes ahead of where they were located. You should have abandoned that tracker app way before and but started I doing math in your head. But you're, at that moment was when your time started to slow down not but, that much though i mean enough where it was like i don't know and i hadn't know if you had paused at that aid station for a long time i didn't know if you were hurt i didn't know it was very i didn't have enough information um anyways so that was super frustrating you should have started walking back down the course i did do i went down that hill that i ended up seeing you on later i walked all the way down that hill and thinking i would run into you i must have just missed you um anyways Finally, I see Brian on the bridge. So you didn't see Michelle either. No. So she was I right didn't in front see of me. Any of the people she I was, was tracking. Ten minutes in front of me. So yeah, I didn't see anybody. And then I you find... didn't just miss me. You missed me by like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, it was super off. So then on the bridge, I finally run into Michelle, and she was the first person I see. And she said that I was the first person she's seen. She hasn't seen anybody either. She hadn't seen any of the racers or her family that were there. No, so, she meant people she knows. That's what I just said. Okay. Um, anyway, so I saw her, she was wondering where you were and I'm like, I don't know. I haven't seen you either. Um, but I knew that she was ahead of you. At least maybe the tracker was correct about that. And so I was like, okay, the fact that I see Michelle, I'm, this is the right place to be. I'm going to stay here. He's, but you didn't passed. tell me when I got to the bridge. So the second bridge, you go out and then back down the river and then across a big, uh, road bridge, car yeah. bridge. And then you do this five mile loop mm -hmm. on these awful hills. Yeah. Um, and then you come back and you go across the walking bridge um, or pedestrian bridge. Yeah. It's walking, biking, whatever. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's halfway. So yeah. that's your half marathon point basically. Yeah. And then you start your second loop and that's where I saw you kind of coming up the front side of that bridge. But you didn't tell me that Michelle had just passed. I thought I did. It wasn't until later, when I had five miles left, that you said, Michelle's 10 minutes ahead of you. I totally told you. No, you, you didn't. Remember. You were totally like, I can't believe you're here. I'm so happy to see you. No, if I had heard you say that, if you said it and I heard you, I would have probably pushed a little Oh harder. my gosh, <laughs> you're so funny. Because I got on that second loop where I was oh, going yeah. out on that highway where it was, it was, yes, it was flat, but... It was just like nothing. I was having trouble making myself run on the flats. Yeah. And I knew that um, if I didn't run on the flats, my time was going to suffer. Yeah. And so, because the back, because I'd seen the back five miles of that course, yeah. of that loop, and it was really gnarly hills, yeah. like long hills. And then you go steep downhill, which is hard to do whenever your legs and quads are just shot. Yeah. And then back up, and then back down, and back up, and then back down. All, all across just five miles. So yeah. it's like a short time where you do a lot of climbing and ascent. And uh, so I knew I was going to be walking up those hills. I mean, yeah. every significant hill I walked up, that was the plan. And yeah. that's what I did. Um, I even talked to somebody that 
they had already done one loop and they were, I was kind of next to them on there. I was on my first loop. They were in their second and he didn't really say much about the backside of the course. I was like, yeah, I haven't been back there yet. I've just heard about it. And he said, okay, I'll just, I won't say anything. Oh man. <laughs> and, um, I said, well, I plan to walk up the hill on Barton Avenue. He said, yeah, that was my mistake. I didn't on the first time. Oh gosh. He, he ran. And mm -hmm. so you didn't see too many people running up those hills. Yeah. It was just too exhausting. Um, unless, I mean, just the people we were around yeah. weren't doing that. So there were other people that were faster that were able to do that and just, you know, faster athletes. Yeah. And so anyway, I finally saw you on that second loop. It started to get dark yeah. um, after that first four miles. So I'm 17 miles in something like that. And it's, there's this darkness and everyone's kind of getting quiet. Like people aren't talking as much. Oh, man. You're just running next to somebody and then you stop and walk and they run past you. And then you, I, I did more walking on the flats than I would like to admit um, on that back half. Number one, because it was just kind of isolated yeah. and like, it's like, okay, it's no one's, no one's watching. <laughs> <laughs> There's no spectators. Um, but, uh... Yeah, there definitely weren't any spectators. Yeah. And the people around me were doing the same thing. They yeah. were kind of run walking, it's even on those rest. flat parts. It, but I, I wish I could have run that whole time. Like I yeah. really, um, kind of regret not pushing a little harder on that part, but you know, I gave what I had and then it was really energizing to see you in Shiloh. Um, the second time. Yeah. That second time going up that steep hill. Yeah. About to cross the, um, first bridge, the first bridge. Yeah. And I knew I had five miles left and I also knew I had hills coming up that I could walk. Yeah. And I was actually true. kind of excited about that. That's true. Um, but you know, the last five miles was, was pretty grueling at the same time I did do, you know, a significant amount of walking up the hills. I tried to run down most of the hills, but it kind of got hard to even run down the hills. Then I was on some flat parts and it was still hard to run. And so how was your foot doing during the run? It was fine. It, I mean, it had, the neuropathy was still there. Of course, that never goes away, but, um, but not your whole foot. Anymore. It wasn't completely numb. Like it was just kind of that mild, super fun tingling stuff. Feeling. that's always there. Yeah. And, but I had, as far as like things that hurt, I mean, I had some little pains here and there, like in my ankle, nothing in my knees, uh, other than a little bit like it band every once in a while, but then it, it would go away. away based on like the surfaces I was running on. Um, but really what made it hard to like, keep running was just the, the stiffness and the fatigue in my hips. Interesting. Um, so like hip flexors and even like just all the musculature around my hips just got Had that ever was, irritated uh, you before oh, yeah. on like half Ironmans? Yeah. Um, so you knew that that was something. Maybe not on half Ironmans, but for sure on half marathons that I've done. Yeah. My hips completely got fatigued and trashed and it was like. Yeah super hard to even run because once your hips go out it's hard to just drive your knees forward and yeah. so that's probably why i walked a little more in that flat part in the back on the second loop um but you know when you get to where there's so i saw you and had five miles left and, and that was when i had told him i had just seen michelle she was like 10 minutes ahead of brian and she said tell brian to catch up with me yeah and it was like so actually on that bridge, I ran almost across that entire bridge Dude, and she, I was running at a decent pace. She must have been flying. Um, and she still beat me by 10 minutes. So I didn't make up any time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, y'all are very similar paced athletes. It's fun. Yeah. And, but then when you get to that last 5k, it's just, you're just, I mean, 
get start to get kind of happy you know because yeah. it's like you know you're gonna finish i knew i was gonna finish like well before that yeah. um barring any kind of like major medical issue like cramps where i couldn't shake it but usually even like a cramp you can eventually get over it or walk through it or you know something yeah um and i did pretty well nutrition wise i think because i prevented that i had took salt tablet i mean not salt tablets like i had a salt tube and i would just lick some salt from that every single aid station and then sip on some water and get some electrolytes uh, as well and then maybe like a pretzel or a chip or yeah something. right that was like the last 10 miles that's all i did because i didn't want to eat too much more yeah um it was pretty um, amazing that even when we saw you me and shiloh you were you didn't stop moving to talk to us and you were not walking we had a jog next to you to have a conversation it's like you were you were moving which is very yeah and i think that's how I, I was the entire time even at the aid stations like i didn't slow down that much even the walking i was trying to keep my walking pace like 16 or 17 minutes per mile yeah um and if i walked a significant amount i i did check that and make sure that i was not getting too slow even on my walking yeah. because really i just wanted to get it over with yeah like i mean i knew i was going to finish at that point yeah and it was going to be around the time that i had hoped i i was hoping for 14 hours yeah um, below 14 hours would have been great. And I knew it was going to be kind of close to that. Um, so I, I just wanted to, that was my motivation. Like just finish this Ironman, like yeah. get it, get it over with, not right. like complete it. Like just let's do something else, you know? <laughs> right. It's, um, it's a long journey. Do something else. And by what I mean by that is like sit down. Right. Like <laughs> other than racing this day. Yeah. It's I, a long I, day. I wanted to stop moving. Yeah. And, um, that was the biggest fight was just not to stop moving and seeing Allie and Shiloh help that. And then having the people to talk to on the backside, I talked to a couple more people. Yeah. Um, and that helps, helped yeah. us all just keep moving and nobody around me was stopping. So, yeah. um, so then we get to the finish line. I mean, I start, I went to the finish line and I was able to see Michelle finish with her, her family. And then, you know, it was obnoxious because the tracker says that you were already there like half a mile away for like 20 minutes. And so I told you you should have given up on that. I know, but ago. I'm dealing with the text messages of everyone like, is Brian okay? He's not finishing. It's saying he's stopped because a lot of people were following along. And, and anyway, so we waited there for a long time and I got to get your dad on FaceTime and able to watch you finish that was pretty epic how are you feeling going through the finish line yeah so going across the walking bridge uh the pedestrian bridge was nice because i knew i was really close i wasn't going to stop anymore at that point mm -hmm. um so i wasn't going to walk anymore and you come down a pretty steep hill towards the end <laughs> it was it was hard to it wasn't hard to keep my legs moving but like it was a little unsteady mm -hmm. and Anyway, you just hear, you can hear the announcements um, of finishers when you're on the bridge. Yeah. And so you heard it several times oh, yeah. during the course. That's true. Like, like early on, like the early finishers too. And you're like, yeah. how in the world are you done already? Yeah. I've still got five hours. Left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I uh, was coming down the hill and I, you know, it just seems like, honestly, it felt like eternity before the, the red carpet got yeah. there. And I'm trying to like space myself with people to where like, you know, they can enjoy their moment. I can enjoy my moment. And I get on the red carpet, just have my hands up. There's people out giving high fives. I went and gave them high fives yeah. and just had my arms up and celebrated that last, you know, several hundred feet. And there's like this, the firework kind yeah. of shooting sparklers. And 
Um, I didn't see Allie, but you know, I was there. She was there for <laughs> sure. She made it to that point. And I, you know, I, I finished. I heard my name, Brian Watts from College Station. You are an Ironman. Yes. And then you were miserable. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I stopped moving and I started to not feel so good. So I got my finisher hat, shirt, medal, and they take a picture of you in yeah. front of that board. And then as soon as I saw you, I got a little emotional. Yeah, and <laughs> I was fine until I saw you and I was just exhausted and happy to be finished and happy that I did it. Um, and so that brought a lot of emotions. And then I, I just, I had trouble like walking after yeah. that and my lips started tingling and I needed some food. So I started kind of nibbling, yeah. <laughs> literally nibbling on pizza and drinking as much water as I could and sat down, which probably wasn't the best idea because wow. it was really hard to get up and down. Um, but after about 20 minutes, I had, you know, all those symptoms went away as far as my lips tingling, which yeah. made us a little nervous for a second. But uh, I was talking to my dad. He, he seemed like it would be okay. I didn't have to go to medical um, to get them to check me out because the, whatever imbalance was going on causing my lips tingling went away. Yeah. So I got a little bit of hydration, a little uh, food back into me. And we just hung out at the finish line for a minute or for a little bit until uh, Michelle had already finished. Zach had already finished and we we waited. Holly finished. She got her picture and um, I got out of there. Yeah. (laughs) And then we had to drive all the way home the next day. So, yeah. So it was, you know, we had to get all our stuff and walk back to the car. That wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, But it was, it was pretty tough sleeping that night. Uh, The shower was nice but it was kind of painful just from kind of all the chafing and burns that you sustain yeah. uh, during a long race like that and um so, so it was just beginning recovery and yeah. i just got started to get really really sore my achilles was fine on and except for where it inserted in the bone on the heel or on my calcaneus and it, it it got pretty sore the next couple of days but here we are like four days later and i i don't really feel that sore Brian's like, Um, let's go work out. And I'm like, how? That's crazy. I mean, to me, that's crazy. And you're like, why is that crazy? Soreness goes away. And, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. So now let's go back to what you said right when you finished. You said, don't ever let me do this again. Yeah. So how do you feel now after it's been like four days and you're wanting to work out again? Well, I don't want to say that, um, I don't want to say it that way, like that I'll never do this again. <laughs> I don't really want to do another full Ironman um, because of all that it entails. And I've done one, but at the same time, there's things that I could have done better. And so this, the competitor in me wants to, you know, has the, some kind of desire to do it better, do it better. Um, so I'm not going to say I'll never do it again, but I don't plan on it. And I would like to find other things to challenge myself and to you know continue on this fitness and endurance athlete type journey to to stay healthy stay in good shape and feel good um about you know my fitness and all that so yeah you'll for sure keep doing some triathlons just maybe different distances and oh yeah and then maybe some ultra running i don't know um i I was i've thought about ultra running before all this and i have some friends that or trying to influence me to do stuff like that. Oh, it doesn't take much to get Brian doing an active hobby. Yeah, I want to be smart, though, about, you know, just taking care of my body. I, 
had several injuries that are make things probably a little bit more difficult, more risky for me to, um, try to, you know, do too much on, mm-hmm. on my body. But at the same time, all that stuff can be good for you. Uh, so if it's, if it's done properly with the right strength training, all that stuff, um, not just running or just one thing, you know, you have to kind of yeah. combine it with other things, but I enjoy multi-sport triathlon because it's three different disciplines and you're not just doing the same thing the whole time. Yeah. Um, but I do know I like the shorter races more than the longer races. Um, I, I wouldn't, I, I can't say for sure if I'm going to do a half iron distance again, but, um, that's a lot more manageable than what I just did as far as like prepping your body enough to where you can finish that race. Um, and if I did it again, I would want to prep enough to where I can, um, not just finish, but yeah, maybe do a little better. I mean, and the reality is you don't make an Ironman in one day. The race day is not what makes you an Ironman. It's all the training that goes into it and planning and you sacrifice a lot of time. And so, in order for you to ever do a race like this again, you know, we have to account for that. And next time for sure, we already said like, we need the kids to be here. It was so weird not having them there to support you and to cheer for you. Cause they've been a part of your journey the whole time, you know, anyway, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they, the kids have been in all the races. Yeah. Except for that one. Yeah. Even the one I didn't do in Idaho. Yeah, that's true. That's right. <laughs> So. All right. Well, thanks for listening and I hope y'all enjoyed it. And hopefully I inspired you to do something crazy like that and to challenge yourself and do something hard every day and set goals Do to, to go out and try to accomplish something that you didn't think you could accomplish. Um, and yeah, that's mainly why I did it. It's just to prove myself, prove to myself that I could do it and that I could actually somewhat enjoy yeah. the process and enjoy, you know, doing and completing the race while I was doing it, not just be out there and suffer. You know, I don't just suffer to suffer, but um, it is a little bit of suffering and it's something that makes you stronger in the end, both physically and mentally and spiritually. Mm, Good. Until next time.